It was great, man. It was great. We have this famous picture of like my wife holding up the thing, showing the two kids and her like looking totally frightened and me being like, yeah. Welcome to The Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now here's your host, Art Eddy. This week's The Art of Fatherhood podcast is being brought to you by Medela. Dads, when it comes to helping your partner or spouse with breastfeeding, only cleaning the baby bottles just won't cut it. You need to do more. Ask your spouse what you can do to help with the transition when she goes back to work. I remember helping my wife in different ways when she returned to work, like getting the breast milk bags at her office if she had to go somewhere after work. If you're running a team or looking to be an advocate, talk to your team and HR department about how your office can offer support for breastfeeding employees. Plus, with the infant form crisis, new guidelines from the American Academy of Pediatrics, a receding global health pandemic, and a spike in inflation all placing increasing pressure on new parents returning to work who need support to continue breastfeeding. The normalized breastfeeding drum keeps on beating. Culture acceptance is here to stay. Thankfully, Medela is leading that drumbeat with their KIN program. KIN is a customizable single-source solution from Medela and Mamava that opens up a world of best-in-class technology, resources, accessories, specifically designed for new and expecting parents. Employees get the support they need to successfully balance their career with breastfeeding and a growing family. Medela is doing their part. Now it is up to us. Learn more at medela.us slash kin. That's medela.us slash K-I-N. What's going on, everybody? Art Eddie here for another edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. I'm very happy to have this gentleman on. is Ryan Smith. You might see him on ESPN. You might see him on ABC. He's an Emmy award-winning dad, and I'm so happy to have time with him. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me, sir. How you doing? Anytime, man. It's good. It's good. I'm excited to do this. I love the fact that you and I, even before we started recording, we actually had a really cool conversation about fatherhood and the things we got to go through. So I know you're going to be perfect for this, man. Talk a little bit about when you found out you were going to be a dad. What was going through your mind, sir? So I had always wanted kids, right? And and my wife and I, we had been married for maybe like six or seven months. And we were like, well, let's start trying. And I was really excited. So my thing was when when she first got pregnant, She's like, well, actually, let me back up a little bit. She, um, when, when she first got pregnant, she ended up having a miscarriage and that was tough. Uh, we sort of worked our way through that. And next thing you know, we sort of start trying a little bit. And one day she's like, I, I got to go to the doctor for a checkup. I'll let you know what happens. So she said, you know, the doctor, she, she, she's got something for us, this information. She wants you to come in, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, man, I bet this is it. So she's like, lie down on the table. And she looks at my wife and she's like, I'm just going to show you something. She's like, I think you know what it is. I'm like, yep. So she's going over it. She's going over it. And she's like, you guys are going to be parents. But wait a second. You're going to be parents twice over. And I was like, what? <laughs> And she was like, and my wife was like, no. And I was like, yes, because I always wanted to have twins, but I don't have twins in my family. But the funniest thing is the doctor is then like going over the 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 scan. She's like, let me just make sure you don't have triplets. And I was like, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. So, so it was great, man. It was great. We have this famous picture of like my wife holding up the thing, showing the two kids and her like looking totally frightened and me being like, yeah. <laughs> so I, um, not, I, it's, it's like, it's so funny. Once I knew we were having twins, I was like, 
you know, uh, this is all I want, man. I don't even know if I want kids after this. And we haven't had kids. And it's just all we ever know is twins. Nice, man. Yeah. So let me, okay. So you kind of, you know, you're talking this way. I love it. And again, um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that you guys went through that miscarriage. I know that yeah. people li- listen to the show have experienced that and they appreciate yeah. other people sharing their story. But no, please. you're in there <laughs> and you were excited about twins when she's like doing the ultrasound looking for more. How long was it to the confirmation? Like when she said, oh, could be triplets to like, no, it's just twins. Like, did it seem like an eternity? <laughs> it was like 30, it, it was 30 seconds. Couldn't have been more than that, but it felt like hours. No kidding. I, Cause at first she had a, she's, she's like not like an animated funny person. She just had a straight face. Like, let me just check. And I'm like, wait, are you serious? Because I can't handle that. Like, it's like, be careful what you wish for. As yep. soon as I knew it was twins, then after that, you're like, that's all I can deal with. <laughs> I used to work in radio and they always do like a pregnant pause. No pun. Well, that's a dad joke right there. But yeah. like you work in TV, man, 30 seconds of dead air, just like forever. Just nothing. You're like, it seems like eternity. So yeah. <laughs> it's forever. It. It's like you're dropping off a cliff. Like, please fill the silence with there's no triplets here. Yeah. But um, uh, talk a little bit about the values you and your wife are looking to instill into your sons as they grow up. Yeah, so one of the biggest things we've tried to do is we really believe in leading by example, but we don't expect perfection. So, for example, I I know um, I was just thinking about this this morning. My wife and I occasionally, you know, spouses, we argue, right? And we try our best to not argue in front of them, but sometimes we argue in front of them. And I know people have a lot of strong feelings about that. But we don't have knockdown, blowout fights or anything like that. But one thing I do believe in is um, I, I kind of tell them, and, and they don't they don't like it when that happens. But I tell them, you know, this is kind of it's a little bit of the real world, in my opinion. So in the real world, people don't always get along, and if I don't show you that, then you're going to always assume, well, everybody is always like this. Or if we do sort of slip up and argue in front of them, then it becomes you know, for them, my kids, it becomes like traumatic. So in the beginning, we were trying to figure out how we disagree. Now we try, it also kind of makes us step up our game a little bit. So it's like, we don't, you know, we got to know that the kids are around. And since we do this a little bit in front of them, we're not going to go nuts. We're just going to try to like disagree. But that's just kind of one thing. I think the big thing for us is kind of keep it real in front of them. The other value I think we really try to instill in them is personal responsibility. Mm. You control what you control. So it's kind of like, what's my part in it? If I'm having an argument with my brother, like I've got one kid, so they're twins, they spend all their time together. Even though they claim that they can't stand each other, they're best (laughs) friends. I'm always like, who, you know, Blake's your best friend, Cole's your best friend. My kids are Blake and Cole. They're like, I can't stand that guy. I don't like him. And I'm like, but you're with him all the time. And they're like, well, he's the only other kid in the house. Like there, there's a lot of that. So yeah. we, when they argue, I've got one son who is very much into controlling his brother, but he doesn't, his brother always doesn't always want to do what he wants to do. So he gets really upset and then he starts threatening him and it's this whole thing. And I try to tell them, I'm like, what's your part in this? You're, you're trying to get him to do something. So what's your part of it? Yeah. what's what what can you compromise on if you really want him to do that or because the other kid he's willing to walk away and do his own thing or can you separate for a little bit and come back and so that's kind of a big value we like to it, it's that personal responsibility in all of it and then the only other thing is i had a guy tell me another correspondent who has like six kids I, when i first when they were first born i 
he had great relationships with all his kids. So I was like, how do you do it, man? I'm like terrified. They're going to hate me or whatever. He said, 95% of the battle is you being a good person. If you can just be a good person who tries to do things the right way, honest, kind to other people, not mean, not mean to them, and you spend time with them, that's 95% of the job. The rest is icing on the cake. So that's kind of what we do. We just try to... We just try to remain good people, try to be honest with them, try to be honest with other people, try to be kind. And, and then we take it from there. Love it. And, and you know, you just talked about like, you know, arguing in front of your kids. Yeah. My wife, I, I think, have a similar relationship with you and your wife where it's like we get along. But then like if we have arguments and not drag out, but like we might have a little bit of like, well, I think it this way. I think it that way. Right. But yeah. the fact that you and your wife are showing in front of your sons and for me and my wife are showing in front of our daughters, like it's not all sunshine and rainbows. And if you talk to them and have a disagreement in a polite and respectful manner, which I'm guessing you guys do and we do as we well. We do. We like, try. Yeah. You, you, you have that idea of like, okay, it's okay to disagree. It's okay that you might not agree on everything. And where do you go from there? You compromise or someone gets their way this time and the next time, you know, it doesn't have to be tit for tat, but it's just the thing where it's like, you're showing them, like you said, nothing's part, nobody's perfect. And the personal responsibility thing is huge. And, and my daughters are two years apart. And the funny thing is my oldest likes to control my youngest. So it's kind of refreshing to hear that, you know, your sons are twins and one of them is still trying to control the other one. So it might not be an age thing, right? All the time, man, all the time. But again, but on your point about the arguing, there's another thing I do, and this is especially, I think, significant for having boys. A lot of times, if if my wife and I do have a disagreement in front of the kids, um, a lot of times my kids will come back and be like, what happened? What, what was going on there? And a lot of times I, I, I explain to them my part in it a little bit because I don't really want to speak for my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I might say this is what happened, but then I'll say, you know, daddy was wrong because he didn't really understand what mommy was saying. Yeah. And we just kind of kept going around and around and around. And daddy really needs to listen a little bit more when mommy's making her point. And it's like, I don't do that all the time, you know, not every, yeah, yeah. But, but I really try hard to explain. I think my, I think my perspective on this is I want my kids to grow up to be able to say I was wrong. I'm sorry. I was not right in this or, or I feel this way and I'm still not quite resolved on it, but I know I could handle it better. Yeah. And I just feel like that's the part of like leading by example a little bit. I can lecture them on and on and on about all this stuff. I've been around people who've like lectured about, you got to do this, you got to do that. And when they don't do it, I just ignore it. And that's (laughs) what I fear with my kids. So I'm like, I'd rather keep it real with you. And then if you ask me about it, or if I notice that I did something that I feel is off, I'm going to come to you and I'll be like, you know what? I was not, I even apologize to them a lot. I say, you know, daddy was not at his best in that moment. I could have been better and I'm going to work on being better next time. Cause I want them in their lives to say, I just wasn't my best today. And, and I'm going to tell people I wasn't, and I'm going to tell them that I'm going to try harder tomorrow. Our kids look up to us. And the fact I got goosebumps there because like the fact that you're like, Hey, I'm going to apologize and say it wasn't my best day. Then they're like, it's okay that you're not always right. And it's okay to for- say you're sorry mm-hmm. and look for forgiveness. I think we, you know, this, especially not, well, for sports, it's always like, you know, people yelling back and forth about who's yeah. going to all that other stuff. But when you've covered stuff for ABC News and all these other things where it's like really serious and stuff, you see everyone deals in absolutes. So you're either with me or you're against me. But yes. the idea of our generation, of our parents teaching our kids like, hey, I was in the wrong. This is why. And I apologize. And it's like, oh, we can do that. Yeah, we might have to eat our pride or ego. 
but at least we're being a better, like you said, you want to be good people. And I love that. So that's fantastic. Man. You know, I cover so many stories where, where I deal with people, people's unhappiness hmm. and I get to see all these different angles. I do a lot of like, uh, you know, for ABC, I do a lot of 2020. So I do a lot of crime yeah. and I see, I often come in the aftermath of something terrible happening. And a lot of times it's so traumatic and so hard. And when you talk to the people who are at the center of it, a lot of times, some of it comes from misunderstandings or conflict, but a lot of it comes from the idea that like two people just, or four people or whatever it is, especially if it's a direct conflict, they just could not reach a common ground. The, like, like the unhappiness of the situation became more important than resolving it. And I think it's taught me over the years that I would rather, even though I know everything doesn't wrap up in a pretty bow in life, I would rather get to a point and teach my kids to get to a point of the goal is to be happy, not to be right. And so yeah. let's focus on being happy. Yeah. And I look, dude, Art, I stumble all the time with that. I'm like, we all do. We all my do. wife That's and I are talking. I'm like, I really want to be right. Yeah. And I, I really want to be right. I am right. <laughs> but, but I got to like so many times I've had to come back to her and be like, you know what? I just, I just wanted to be right. And I, I'm like, I know that's not what I'm about and I'm sorry. Yeah. So it's a constant process. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, two more questions before we kind of start talking about your career. No. Um, something you've learned from your kids or something that they've taught you either about life or yourself that you didn't really know was there until you had kids. Yeah, I, I got this one straight away. Joy is about being in the present. Kids live in the present. And I got to say, one of the one of the most beautiful things about having children that I love every single day is I, as you get older, you start thinking about the past and the future and you get stuck in those areas. But when I'm around them, they just always force me to be present mm -hmm. and they get so much joy out of being present. So I have one son named Cole. Uh, he's not the one who likes to control this guy from the very beginning, from the very beginning, he would wake up every single day with a smile on his face. Like, it's just his thing. And yeah. I loved it about him. So I was always like, cause I like to smile a lot. So when he was a baby, I was always smiling back at him. And we just had this thing. And even now he wakes up with this smile on his face so he can get in trouble. And when I get in trouble or if I'm really cold, blah, 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 I'm kind of getting on him. And I'll be like, okay, daddy, okay, daddy. And it like literally disappears from his mind within seconds. And then a minute later, he's off smiling back in the present. And I'm like, I, I am never, I'm always astounded by him. Mm. I'm like, if somebody said that to me, I'd be bummed out for hours. Yeah. And this kid is like over it. And half the time he didn't even remember what I said, but it's okay. But he's just, he's just like, his ability to stay in the present, even if he's completely <laughs> ignoring me, is it's just like, it's such a joy. And I see how much joy they get from living that way. And it teaches me to live that way. And it's completely changed me because before them, I spent a lot of time in past and future. And now I, I like wake up every day saying I'm focused on right now. What's happening now? Perfect, man. Love that. I think this is great for you, for new dads who found out they're going to have twins or triplets <laughs> or quads or whatever. But like for you, dad hack or piece of advice you'd offer to new dads, what would it be? Oh, dad hack or piece of advice. Um it doesn't last long. So, so spend the time actually doing something they want to do. Okay. Yep. It's yep. a, it's a bit, dude, I, every dad out there, I make this mistake all the time. I tell them, come on guys, let's go play baseball or football or whatever. Not realizing that's what I want to do. And if my purpose is just to get them out the house, 
they might want to bring their toys. So, and they want, might want to play that instead of playing football or baseball. So I, I like, I always have to remind myself and it's, it's like, it's the place where they are happiest with me and where we connect the most. When I say, Hey, let's go outside. What do you want to do? Or what's your favorite thing to do right now outside? Let's go like always focus. If you can try hard not to focus on what you want to do with them, but what they want to do and then spend that direct time actually doing, not saying you're going to do, but actually doing, they remember it and they, they like take it with them in life. hundred percent. Like, my kids will always talk like, hey, do you remember when we were younger and we get Pizza Hut and we watch like, you know, Frozen or whatever in the like in the downstairs basement room with the TV? I'm like, yeah. And like, this is when we were living in New Jersey at the time. And yeah. they're like, we love that. I'm like, oh, OK. It's like the randomest things that they will always yep. remember and love. So spot on. Um, always, always a fan of uh, when I get a chance to talk with great people from ESPN like yourself. Uh, and, and I feel like you're like the, almost like the Bo Jackson or Deion Sanders, man. You're covering sports and you're covering news, all these things for ESPN and ABC, but also too, man, like you went down like the lawyer firm, right? Like you were yeah. uh, once a lawyer for the Jacksonville Jaguars and practice yeah. sports and entertainment law. What kind of pivot you, cause you know, you're doing a great job. You're an Emmy award winner. Like what kind of made you want to get into like the TV and sports and reporting business? It was the craziest thing. I'll say this. When I was a little kid, I always wanted to be a sports broadcaster and it was my dream. Nice. And then this will tell you something about dreams. I, um, as I got older, I let it go. I was like, ah, it's not really for me. I'm going to go and do whatever, you know, life presents. And I decided to go to law school, became a lawyer. And then maybe, uh, I was up for partner at a firm and I just, couldn't if anybody knows anything about practicing law or being in a law firm you try to make partner and then when you make partner the whole hamster wheel kind of starts all over again and you're a junior partner and then you're working your way up to be a senior and I and I just couldn't I couldn't get my heart into it I liked being a lawyer but I couldn't get my heart into it and so I was talking to a friend of mine who looking back was also up for partner and may have been trying to talk me out of it but at the time I was like this is great advice she was like well if you don't want to do it why don't you, you know, is there something else you want to do? And we were sort of talking and she was like, you know, I always thought you'd be great on TV. And I'm like, really? So she's like, yeah, why not try it? So I went out, I recorded what we call a reel, just me talking to people randomly on the street with a producer client of mine. I was an entertainment lawyer at the time. And then I sent that reel to a, she actually sent that reel. No, actually, let me think about it. No, no. She was producing a television show at the time for a channel called TV One called Sharp Talk. Al Sharpton yeah. and a bunch of us sitting in barber chairs talking about issues. This was maybe 10 years ago or so. And they invited me to be on the show. I showed up once, sat on TV, and then somebody at BET saw me and said, you want to do a show with us? So then I did that show. And then they were like, would you like to host it? So I did that. And then somebody from CNN saw that. And said, would you want to come on and talk about legal issues? Because I was a, law- a legal lawyer. So then I did that and became a legal analyst there. And then eventually somebody called me from a network called, well, it used to be Headline News, now HLN. They said, we're launching a new version of Court TV. Would you want to host that and move down to Atlanta? So I kind of took a chance and was like, I quit law, did that, met my wife in Atlanta, eventually found my way to ABC and ESPN. But And, and the, the sports part of it is I was at ABC and they were like, you have a sports background, so we want you to be not only our legal analyst, but we also want you to cover sports stories. Somebody at ESPN saw me doing all that, and they were like, would you like to host a show called Outside the Lines when the longtime host Bob Lee, Bob Lee takes yeah. off, like takes breaks? I said, why not? And then Bob retired. I ended up doing that for a year. And then the capper to the story is, 
someone then said at ESPN, uh, our big boss, um, uh, Norby Williamson, was like, would you ever be interested in hosting SportsCenter? I did that, and that's where I am. And it took me about six months of being on SportsCenter to be like, this is what I wanted to do all along. <laughs> <laughs> I just took like 20 years to get there. But awesome. but it's the craziest thing, man. It's like, it's you know, you have these dreams, and you put them in your back pocket like it's never going to happen. And then one day you find yourself living it. That's exactly what happened. Love it. Destiny was calling for you to be a sports broadcaster. So yeah. You know, the next question kind of fades, like what you said right there kind of fades into my uh, next question where it's like, what a great life lesson you can teach your sons about like, this was my dream and maybe I put it on the oh, back yeah. burner, but now it's full cooking on the, on the front burner. Right. And you have the Emmy award as you know, like you're showing off your hard work. So is there a great teaching moment when you talk to your kids about putting in hard work? Like these are hard to come by, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know what? I, I'm so glad you asked that. The lesson I try to teach them, you know, it's kind of an unfortunate thing because the kids used to be able to come to work all the time during, but you know, the pandemic has obviously changed a lot of things, but the lesson I try to teach them when they see me working and doing work is the one thing I've carried, whether I was a lawyer whether I was on TV, no matter what I'm doing, my goal is to outwork everyone. And I don't mean that in a competitive way, like I'm better than this person or better than that person. But I've always found that if I'm willing to put in more time and more energy into something, I can, I, I won't always be the best, but I can at least be far better than I would have been had I not done anything. And it's always served me well. So, so for example, being a legal analyst, I'm still a legal analyst for ESPN and for ABC and being a legal analyst, I could, there's different levels of what you could do. I could, I've practiced law before, so I know certain things and I can offer opinions on that. Or I can take the stories that I cover and I can read as much as I can about them. And I can go into the details of state law, federal law, whatever it is, and try to dissect it and use what I've already known to try to put together something. And then I can talk to the producer about how do we want this presented? Can it be, you know, is it a minute? Is it a minute 30? Is it 30 seconds? And then I try to distill it from there. To me, it's kind of like this, this work ethic to show them if you work like crazy, you can get anywhere. And I try to show them that I'm living proof of that. I was not a person that started out in television. I was not a person that had lawyers in my family. But at each stage, even when I went to law school, I was like, I'm just going to study harder for the LSATs than anybody in, that I could ever see. Yeah. And I felt the same way with TV. I didn't know anything about it. Prompters, reading stuff on air, had no training. So I was like, I'm just going to spend hours doing it until it feels comfortable on my own time. Yeah. So that's kind of how I look at everything. Put in the work when no one's watching, right? <laughs> I love yeah, it. man. It's, you know what? It's the key. And I, I, I mentor a lot of people now. And I know how frustrating it is to be at a point in life where you're like, I want something more. My answer to that always is, I go back to what we talked about earlier, personal responsibility. What's your part? Like if I can, when, when I worked in football, one of the ways I got to work in football was I tried to memorize the entire football CBA. I just looked at everything. I made notes, annotations, because I wanted to be ready yeah. in case somebody asked me a question so I could prove that I could do it. Now, did I memorize it all? Absolutely not. But in trying, I think people saw the effort of when we ask this question, this guy at least seems to know what we're talking about. And he doesn't even work in this area. And that convinced people to give me a chance. Nice. And you're just going with lawyer. My one of my good buddies in college, my roommate, Adam, 
he's a lawyer and like i know all this stuff that he has to go through so like totally yeah. understand like what you're saying about when you when you're a lawyer and all that stuff two wow. more questions before we finish off with the father yeah. five and again i appreciate your uh oh, please your, your answers and just your take on fatherhood so yeah you mentioned like all the different hats you do for espn or abc and each show is different especially you know sports center like there's live news breaking especially right now we're talking in the month end of march going to be april so you got march man you got baseball yeah. you got Everything going on with Lamar Jackson. The best time. What's going on, right? You know, yeah. How hard is? And again, you're you're you've done this for a bit, so I know it's not super hard. But like transitioning from one show to another show because they're different formats. How <laughs> is it like to make sure you're like, all right, this sports center I got that you got this. But like, is it tough to kind of juggle all the different like ways that a show, a different shows are produced? It's it's that is an excellent question. Uh, the answer is yes, but I would also say I'm used to it. Okay. And what I would say to you is when I first got into television, I was always wearing different hats. Like I'm, I'm, I'd be anchoring court TV, but then people would ask me to comment on legal issues. And I used to get so irritated because I was like, when is there ever going to be a time where I just get to do one thing, just one thing, like just one job. And I could just focus <laughs> on that, like just basketball, like nothing or just football or yeah. just soccer, whatever. Over time, I started to realize that like sometimes in life, what you think is difficult is actually what you're made for. And one thing I kind of have learned over the years, especially in the last two or three years, is I actually enjoy the variety. So I start from a place of enjoyment. So when I'm doing SportsCenter, I know we're covering a bunch of different stories. I know how to inhale that and process that. But there is something about me that likes thinking about other things. Like even after I do SportsCenter, I'll be listening to the Hoop Collective and listen to somebody like Brian Whithorst and uh, Tim McMahon and Tim Bontemps talking about um, different things in basketball. And then my mind's processing there and I'm studying something else. So that kind of has driven me the whole way. So, so case in point, on any given day, actually a couple of days ago, I'll do a sports center. Sometimes I'll leave that and I'll go and tape something for 2020 on a totally different story. And then I'll be working on something later that night for something I have to do later in the week. But I've learned that like, just like in law, we always handle different cases or different issues at, at the same time and learned how to juggle them. I've just learned that that's kind of what I like. Yeah. And instead of rejecting it, like, oh, it's so hard. It would be so much easier if all I had to do was one thing. Now I kind of look at it like, what's well, more who I am. So if you can embrace it as who you are, it's, it's actually not that bad. It's more like, ah, the variety gets you excited. What, a, what an awesome way to look at life and your career. And again, it's almost like looking at your career with a smile like you and your son. So I love that. <laughs> um, but, you know, this is a, kind of a, a two-parter yeah. in the sense of who ha and, and I'm very fortunate to chat with great guys like yourself and learn about their journey and all this other good stuff. But you, you have more of appreciation, right? Like for ESPN, people who I've had, like, you know, interviewed other people on SportsCenter, you have an appreciation for like how they're quick wit and how they can do things on their own. If the teleprompter freeze, all that good stuff or bad stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> but is there an athlete or a story or a team that you covered that you learned a lot from or learned a lot about that you kind of like for me, like NASCAR, I did something with Crown Royal and I did, um, they brought me over to NASCAR. I had no idea, but then I was, I respected NASCAR because like all the stuff that goes in on it. Right. And I learned yeah. ins and outs. So for you, is there a team or a sport or a person that you really um, admire more just because of like covering that person, learning more from them? And then two, who would you be like your all time get to sit down and do like a, a production piece with? Oh, man. OK, so a person or a sport or a story. Um, so I'll give 
two aspects to the person and the story. Okay. For a person, especially when it comes to sports, the person I've learned the most from and admired the most was Bob Lee. Because this guy, so first of all, I, I came into that show and you have to realize how high he sets the bar. This guy has this towering intellect, but not only that, he has not just the ESPN, he's the kind of person that would have been a genius in any industry or, or top of anything he did, but he chose this area and he applied it to sports. So he not only had an encyclopedic knowledge of everything in sports, but he also had a way of handling every issue. He could be delicate when he needed to be delicate. He could be hard when he needed to be hard. And he knew how to communicate with sports fans while not trying to be their friend. That was the biggest lesson for me because I just, I sat with him for so long. I, I was basically his understudy for a year and he just taught me how to treat sports, not like a game, but almost as if you're serving the viewer. Mm. So, so you're channeling the viewer and you're trying to ask not only the silly fun questions they might have, but also the interesting thought provoking questions they may have without trying to be their friend. Yeah. Without trying to be the most liked guy in the room. And that last part was a big lesson for me because when I first got into television, I thought the key was to be the most liked person in the room. And Bob kind of taught me, no, you're beyond that. You need to be someone who is channeling them. And sometimes when you're channeling a bunch of people out there, you're not always the nicest guy. You're not always the most friendly guy. You might default on friendly and smiling, but that's not always who you are. He he taught me all that. Story-wise, I interviewed um, Isaiah Thomas, not from the Pistons, but he used to play for the Celtics. Yep. And I interviewed him. So I, I interviewed him over two segments of time. The first time I interviewed him, I don't know if you know his story. He was yep. playing for oh, yeah. the Celtics. No, the guy I wrote a book with, John Fink. Oh, my he wrote a book with uh, Isaiah Thomas, so I know exactly who you mean. Yeah. Wow. Well, the most incredible thing for your viewers, you don't, for your listeners who don't know, Isaiah Thomas was unbelievable superstar playing for the Celtics, and then, you know, he had this injury, and it sort of changed his career path a little bit, mm -hmm. and he was never sort of that same level of star. So it just so happened that on our interview, I interviewed him the first time when he was at the top of his stardom. And then the second time I interviewed him, he ended up being at one of his lower points. And real quick, what that taught me was sports is not just about the games people play. It's about the apex, the, 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 the highs and the lows of human emotion. And when I cover a story, the job is not just to be like, you're great, you're amazing, blah, blah, blah but to understand the human aspect of the person you're talking to and to show other people the human that you're talking to. Not the athlete, not the LeBron, you know, four MVPs, all that kind of stuff. The human that is LeBron James. I just think that's ultimately more interesting. And Isaiah Thomas, by being so forthcoming with his life, by being so honest about what he was going through, he helped me see that. And it has helped me endlessly throughout everything I've done. Now, sit down. The one person I'd like to sit down with, let me think about that. One per well, I, I say this only because I'm a Philly guy. I've always wanted to sit down with Dr. J. He was like my idol as a kid. And I think part of me is like, I want to know how he got to where he got to because he was one of the first athletes in my mind that we all looked up to. And he seemed to be just this superstar that always, look, I know the guy's not perfect, but he always seemed to do things in a way 
that made you respect him. And for some reason, I still respect him. I actually met him at a game for like a second a couple of years ago. And I was so nervous, I couldn't even speak. And I've, I, that's like the only person I've ever been nervous around like that. <laughs> I would love to interview him just to know about that, but also to kind of like be able to put my fandom aside and just be able to talk to the guy and figure out what he's about. Oh, love it. Yeah, again, the, the Crown Royal aspect, they had me cover the NBA All-Star game. We got to sit down with him. Um, yeah. It was a table, like a dinner, and we were talking. I forgot the question that I asked him, um, but he was like, oh, good question. I'm like, sweet, Dr. J just said good <laughs> No, that's, right. I think that's what I want. That's yeah, right? all I want in life. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Thank you very much for sharing that. And again, Isaiah Thomas, yeah, for people, I know you kind of explained his story, and you're yeah. so right, man. Like, his story is amazing. And again, it's like perseverance and hard work and just keep on going and being forthright and honest. So the things that you're trying to instill in your son is, is what he kind of exemplifies in life. So I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fatherhood quick five favorite family movie. Do you guys have one? Oh man. Favorite family movie. Uh, <laughs> you're going to laugh. Uh, Batman versus teenage mutant Ninja turtles. Not going to laugh. That's I'm a comic geek and I love that. So that's well done, man. Love it. <laughs> I've seen it a hundred times. <laughs> that's, that's that's such a dad like yeah like part of your dad accolades is like yeah i know this movie like when back in the day when you used to use dvd players like we would go up from like new ha uh, new jersey to new hampshire because that's where my family's from and like i could recite frozen or like oh this is the part where this is yeah you just you're just hearing it dude Love by it. the way i know you're doing the quick five can i just say my kids i'm gonna totally call them out for whatever reason, they're always like seven years behind the times. They're like, they love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. When was the last time that was popular? Yesterday, they were asking me about Jabberwockies, the dance crew. I'm like, dude, that's like 2015. They're like, no, no, it's hot. It's hot. But, you know, here's the thing, though. Kids. Look on the bright side where they're not following the crowd. They're kind of taking their own time to see what, you know, what they like. No, it's totally true. They're going to be into like Kendrick Lamar in 2030. So that'll be fun. <laughs> uh speaking of that favorite family song or you know band or artist you couldn't wait to introduce them to oh okay okay uh uh oh that's a good oh 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 why am i not doing this quickly favorite artists we want to introduce uh, uh we don't listen to as much music as we should um my wife would say rick ross what would i say <laughs> she's, she's she's always but um uh i would oh that's a tough one hold on hold on hold on favorite family song hold on i'm, I'm getting it i'm getting it i'm getting it legend never dies I, you'll never know it it's like the kids watch it over youtube videos and they make okay. us play it over and over and over again it's like it's like this legendary music for all this people keep doing videos of characters overlay with this song like legends never die <laughs> <laughs> I always thought like so I'm gonna be the cool parent that understands everything that my kids did that or my that my kids are into because my parents are like what are you like what now I'm the same way I'm like you're watching what like you're watching yeah. reaction videos to watching a reaction like what what the heck? what's going on <laughs> um describe the perfect family vacation where would it be oh perfect family vacation Mexico beach pool with a um actually with with jet skiing and water skiing these guys are starting to get into jet skiing nice. but also with a kids club so my wife and i can get away from time to time and um, that's another piece of advice finding a place where you have a nice kids club if you go somewhere it's like all right kids have fun we'll be back and then you and your spouse can enjoy some time right all about that man <laughs> we're actually taking a trip to mexico we do it every year we're doing it for spring break that's our ideal vacation six days 
nice. beach pool kids club period love it, love it. and unlimited um, I ice guess cream. it might be eagles just because i you know since you know I, I see your stuff on social media but favorite sport or and favorite you know person from that sport do you have one ah uh, so i'm gonna surprise you favorite sport right now it, it's sixers because I, I grew up loving the sixers right. yep so it's basketball um favorite you mean current player any play I get, if it's one it's right now today. right now i gotta give it to jalen hurts okay I, I just let me just say this i'm a huge eagles fan i totally counted this man out totally i was like this guy will not be our quarterback next year i was i was that guy i'm not afraid to admit that and he has blown me away man this guy his attitude his character he like worked on himself he worked on his game so hard he would not be denied. There's no harder worker than Jalen Hurts. There's no athlete I would want my kids to look up to more than that guy. Nice. I've never seen anything like it. Like, think about that transformation. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I've interviewed your colleague, Kevin Agandhi, before, and I love the fact that, like, you know, you guys sometimes will work uh, sports, and you both are Eagles fans, so it's mostly yeah. like, easy. But like, yeah, we can kind of – this will be the top story, right? <laughs> yeah, be- exactly, exactly. Hey, by the way, my current co-anchor, David Lloyd, he's a Cowboys fan, so I got to deal Ooh. with that every day. Ooh, like, can't pay me enough to be with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, see, you'll have success, and they always like. I can't really say anything more because I'm a Niners fan. I just like we just need that quarterback. Like, I would love Lamar Jackson if we had the draft capital. Trust yeah. me, I love Brock Purdy. Like to give Lance a try as well. But like, if you brought Lamar Jackson, I think we'd be sitting pretty in the Super Bowl. I know you guys would be done. No, it's yeah. all good. Do you have enough quarterbacks, please? But I'm just saying for Cowboys <laughs> fans, it's like they might get to the playoffs and then like they'll peter out they don't go anywhere. yeah that is fun that is that is what i love <laughs> he knows it and i know it so it's great <laughs> and lastly a uh, top three words you hope your sons would use to describe you as a dad what would you want them to be happy fun understanding uh great three words right there people make sure you follow ryan on uh social media on twitter and instagram at ryan smith tv and make sure you check out his work on espn and abc those networks and everything else he does again i know you got some stuff uh some fatherly stuff to do uh this afternoon wish you guys uh continued success both with your career and also with your family but this was a blast chat with you sir dude anytime wish my kid luck getting braces today good luck that'll be a great day I want to thank Medela for sponsoring this week's episode of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. They are doing some great work to help families and especially moms get back into the workforce. Make sure you go to medela.us slash kin for more information on their fantastic kin program. And while you're on the internet, make sure you check out artoffatherhood.net. Check out the podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. You have a chance to win some cool prizes over at my website. See reviews, see funny articles, and also stories about dads doing it right. And again, thanks for checking out this week's episode of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. I appreciate your support where I'm trying to build up fatherhood and families. Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to theartoffatherhood.net.